When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello and welcome back to the flagship show of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Network. Welcome to ESSR Central. My name is Ross McLeod. I'm your host as always. Have a great lineup with me tonight of David Campbell and Scott McLeod is what I should be saying. But unfortunately, David Hockney and Gary Kernahan will have to do. Hello, guys. How are we? Now, don't you say things you don't mean. You know this show is nothing without me now. This relaunch should fail without me. It took me a bit of convincing to come back as well because the last central I listened to, Gary basically said I had basically the same type of personality as Zoe Stark or lack thereof. And I stand by it 100%. And fair to Zoe Stark now with Trish Stratus. So, I mean, you take that as you will now, David. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, You know what? I'm all for that partnership, if I'm being honest. So, I'm just. And now both of them are in Money in the Bank, so I'm curious to see how that pans out. We'll get into that now a little bit, but don't forget, guys, if you want to listen to our massive back catalogues, previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news, Eat Sleep Suplex retweet on iTunes, all Android podcasting sites, and Spotify, and at Suplex retweet, tweet, at Twight, I'm going Australian there, at Suplex retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Gary, I'll start this week simply with the words that ended SmackDown from Michael Cole. The bloodline as we know it is finished. I mean, what a, what a story. I know we said, we're probably some like broken records talk about it as in the show, but this is the best storytelling WWE has done in a hell of a long time. And there was started, there was the risk that maybe this is going to drag on a little bit too long. Because um, obviously the moment at um, Saudi was fabulous, and then SmackDown, when you got the moment where it looked like Jay was going to side with Roman, and then boom, the super kick, bitch goes down, and we're off to the races. Civil War coming to London. It's going to be awesome. Now nah, you you explained it brilliantly, Gary. Like I've. I'm pretty sure I've watched that clip about a dozen times and the shock value delivers every single time. Like the execution of not just Jay's delivery of the line, but also the super kick, everything was just pitch perfect from start to finish. You know, the moment and where Jay basically says, as far as I'm concerned, Deuce, you're out. Yeah. Yeah. You thought that was it, but then you hear, and I'm out too. Boom. Like, Oh, Chef's Kiss delivery, that was outstanding. And it, it was it wasn't more like, you know, the, the slow burn of the Sami Zayn turn. This was almost instantaneous in the same way, you know, Jimmy kicked Roman 
uh, Night of Champions. But I think the difference here was, you know, Jimmy was eagerly waiting for his opportunity to do that, but you didn't really know what Jay was going to do. And it just made it all the more satisfying just watching him deliver that kick just in the blink of an eye. And then we finally got, you know, a proper division in the bloodline and we've got potential for a few great matches out of this out of this feud. And it's a story that is transcending beyond the live audience, if you like. It's reaching to casual wrestling fans around the world. You look on WWE's YouTube just now, the three-minute clip they've got up of the Uso superkick in Roman Reigns, 2.3 million views, and the longer clip, which is 10.5 minutes, entitled The Decision, has got 1.9 million views. The top 10 from SmackDown has got 1.6 million views on YouTube. I mean, it's just utterly sensational by comparison. The top 10 moments from uh, last week's NXT, 220,000 views. <laughs> it is just is that, is, utterly are phenomenal. Those stats, are those stats based on time of recording as well, or is that uh, based on like the weekend? Yeah, like the live stats pulling them off live stats, as we cool. speak. Yeah, that is mighty impressive considering, you know, most YouTube channels barely scrape, you know, half a mil in, uh, after after like, I don't know, say a few weeks. Yeah, Raw's top 10 uh, moments from this week's on 906,000 years, which is pretty decent. But it's just, you know, it's just cutting through. It's utterly phenomenal. It's grabbing people's attention. And there's so many more stories to come, isn't it? This is not going to finish in London. Mm. Yep, absolutely. And the thing is, like, we knew we knew for months with Elimination Chamber being in Montreal that Sammy Roman was happening. However, no one going into the Saudi show saw Jimmy kicking Roman in the face. We we talked about, oh, maybe they accidentally cost him. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe it leads to further dissension down the line. But we didn't see that bullet coming. And certainly not in an episode of SmackDown did we see Jey uh, so fully breaking up the bloodline. Like, the Civil War uh, coming to London... People are, I've seen, and you know, you're never going to please everyone, but I've seen people complaining, oh, there's only one SmackDown to build this. Where have you been? There's been building since Roman came back. Yeah. This is back to, you know, the I Quit match back at Hell in a Cell 2020. So there is so much, um, there is so much storyline behind this. And, let me ask you this, guys. We, we, we talked about, obviously, the decision not to have Cody win the title. Are you now on board with Jey Uso ending Roman's title run? No. No. Gary, no. <laughs> other than I went to WrestleMania and I wanted to see it, damn it. What is your reasoning <laughs> for not wanting Jey Uso as WWE champion? I think that's pretty, uh, pretty comprehensive, isn't it? That trip cost me a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a I had a kid beside me dressed head to toe in Cody Rhodes gear that was breaking his heart crying. Um Derek I, needs to grow up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and despite his best efforts, it was not Alan McLucas. <laughs> <laughs> Still refused to adopt that man. 
So why <laughs> why do I feel that way? I think you can make arguments to both ways, and both would be compelling arguments. I believe that this bloodline storyline did not need Roman to be the champion. I believe that Cody has lost a bit of steam and a bit of shine has been taken off him from not winning the championship. Obviously, Cody's gone into a big programme with Brock Lesnar. Um, we suspect they're going to have their rubber match at SummerSlam and then we'll see where Cody goes on for, goes on from there. But I think I, I think this story would have been just as compelling without Roman with the championship. Now, because Roman has the championship, of course, we'll now get probably at SummerSlam uh, Roman versus Jay for the title, which probably will be Roman's first title defence since WrestleMania. Mm. Yeah, he's not he's not defended it since Mania. Yeah. Um I go back and forward, don't get me wrong. The Cody moment um would have been great, but at the same time I think when you look at that visual of the new title on top of the two titles he already had in his locker room. The empire around him slowly crumbling, only a few loyalists left. The reason he's held on to the title for so long have now left him high and dry. Bit by bit it's coming down and it's almost like comic book villain. Like you need to bring down the empire around this guy to then get to this guy and bring him down. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have a problem because it looks like they're still calling it the undisputed WWE Universal Championship just now. It looks like when they lose the title, that the Universal title is going to be retired and that that new title will simply be the WWE Championship. However, get, uh, forever keeping that Roman record. But I think it's starting with Jay and ending with Jay. Jay being the first guy ever to pin Roman in WWE, Jay and Jay and Jimmy being part of the first ever team to beat the Shield. I think that there's some some great storybooking there, and yeah, I even if it's just a short reign, I think Jay, Jay Uso because he's been there throughout this whole run. I'd love to see Jay Uso get a short run with the WWE Championship. Yeah, Ross, can I moan for a minute? So go on, go. the three t- the three championships. What was the point in the new championship if he's just going to keep all the other ones? And also, this fucking roster split. Does nobody pay any attention to it? Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. Mm. <laughs> well, to be fair, we do have a couple of cross-branded uh, pay-per-views coming up, like Money in the Banks featuring both brands. SummerSlam's going to feature both brands. Wait, whatever happened to bringing back brand-exclusive pay-per-views? Because they've announced Payback and Vaseline are going to be coming back later this year rather than those stupid uh, match-themed pay-per-views, thank, thank God. But um, to be honest, I'm not so thrilled on the idea of a Jey Uso title run, largely because, you know, we always said, you know, 2020 was the start of the Bloodline, and if they're going to end the Bloodline, like, in the same manner, then why not just have Roman keep his dominant presence about him and be he be the one to get the last laugh over his uh, treacherous cousins. You know, he 
he kicks them out as opposed to them kicking him, literally. So uh, it, it feels more like a, a revenge ploy at this point, you know, put them in their place, uh, not just to get their obedience or their loyalty, but this time he's taken them out for good. And, you know, he can run with Solo and Heyman going forward and still have that domineering presence. And then the Usos can revert back to being, you know, just as a, a tag team into themselves. But we know we've seen how great I the think... Usos are as a tag team over the years. And so I've got no fear of where the Usos go from here. But Roman still has to maintain that domineering presence. And I think he needs to really put the hammer down and kick out the Usos for good. No, I Roman, you've seen it from the the over the, that great shot where he hugs Sammy and you just see his dead eyes looking into the camera when he's had to put people in their place because it's meant more people coming into the bloodline. When he had to get Jimmy in line to make sure he had both Usos watching his back in twenty twenty one. Roman knows that he's got the entire bloodline with one direction, keep the title on Roman. How many times have the Usos saved that title? He's never going to kick them out. And the story is not Roman losing the title. It's Roman losing everything bit by bit by bit. He lost Sammy. He's losing the Usos. Sooner or later, he loses... um, Solo, and then what happens with the wise man? You know, because Paul Heyman is never to be trusted. So, I hundred percent am on board with a Jericho title run. I do, however, think um, if Jericho wins the WWE title, Roman will win it back, and Roman will be champion heading into WrestleMania. But I. I, I, I don't see Roman being in the same reign, pardon me, as uh, as he is just now in next year's WrestleMania. I think Jericho takes the title and I'm all for it. Um, let's move on to to a, a controversial figure, Gary. Um, up and left, never heard from them, came back, pissed everyone off, left again. Not many people are happy to see him back. But Brendan Rodgers is back at Celtic. <laughs> and like a deadbeat dad returning on Father's Day. Right. Or near his damn it. Brought the milk back. Um, but also, on the debut edition of Saturday Slamdown, or Collision if you want to get technical about it, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> AW show kicked off with the return of CM Punk. He's sick of being nice. Tell him when he's telling lies. Um, ironic that he talked about The Rock having crap catchphrases and he had two catchphrases there that did not kick on. And then CM Punk has revealed he's back and he has the undisputed AEW Championship with him because he never lost it. A bit of a Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon there, David. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, very had had that uh, sort of bad guy image about. But first thing I noticed about that promo was he took the the marker off the microphone. Allah, when he did that, he cut that promo on the rock in the fa- in the infamous line, "Your arms are too short to box with God." So 
the impression I got with that is, you know, this is uh, like uh, it's showing shades of the pipe bomb. He's not going to uh, basically take any crap from anybody at this point. Uh, to be honest, Punk's really sort of soured on me ever since, you know, the whole media scrum from last year. And I don't know if just being an edgy personality is going to cut it for me anymore because he's really he's really angered a lot of people backstage, angered quite a lot of fans, like myself included, just because he doesn't he seems quite petulant and unprofessional at times. And to be honest, those are two like my biggest pet peeves, especially coming from you know not just uh, professional athletes who are supposed to be professional, but you know just adults in in general. But people are are excited to see him back, and I can understand why because you know he has a a big name draw. He's a polarizing figure for various reasons. He calls people out on on their on their bullshit effectively, and and he can some he can still somewhat go in the ring as long as he's working with the right people. So oh, I think from a no, business, I think that sunfit. By the way, that line he can still somewhat go. He can still go, David. He's he's he been can, away. All right, yeah, years. he can still go. Yeah, I, I stand corrected. Um, Gary, the line I'm I'm called one bill Phil because I'm the only genuine dime in a business with a bunch of counterfeit bucks. That's sensational. <laughs> I mean, this is the sort of reality-based promos that we've come to. You know, Dave mentioned Summer of Punk. It harks back to that. And it feeds into the the rumours, the perception that there is animosity between Punk and the elite. Now, what's interesting about this, if he's going to be having pot shots to them, what's the payoff going to be? What's the payoff going to be if we're to believe that Dynamite and Collision are going to have different rosters then? one would imagine they actually are not going to come together. But if this story is going to be out there on TV, the fans are entitled for there to be a payoff. So if Punk's going to be teasing and having jabs and there's going to be this back and forth, they're going to have to get you know, get it on sometime. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do laugh, though, and uh, Dave's comments are similar to some I've seen online about, you know, people for seven years chanted CM Punk and and every time a wrestling promotion went to Chicago, every time the WWE, you know, got a bit stale and needed change, there it was, CM Punk, CM Punk. You bring CM Punk into your organisation, you get CM Punk, 100% you got CM Punk, and then all of a sudden it's... Ah well, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we don't want CM Punk anymore. Maybe plus we don't know what happened backstage. We don't know who started the fight. You know, it's one thing taking pot shots at people; it's another thing swinging punches. And if you're going to go into a guy's locker room and start a fight, don't be surprised when the guy doesn't want to fucking work. Well, the reports coming out are that Punk wants to work with the elite and wants a payoff, but the elite don't want to work with him. So is that, and there's been stories before, FTR, uh, complaining that the Young Bucks, you know, 
the Young Bucks beat them. The Young Bucks didn't want to do the favours uh, back. Kenny Omega being a bit petulant backstage when he's not getting his way with booking. Ironically, the improvement of the AEW's women's division when it was taken away from Kenny Omega. CM Punk is very much, he's a lot more high profile than the elite. CM Punk is someone who we know exactly what sort of person he is because he doesn't hide it. And I think this has been made out because we know about CM Punk more than we know about the elite. That, oh, this is all CM Punk's fault. The elite are blameless and, you know, they all just get caught up in it. I would be interested to see how long it would have taken for CM Punk to be brought back had he not been injured. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we've been speculating for some time. Obviously, we had the debut at Saturday Slam down coming up. Um, <laughs> but also, All In was just around, the co- is just around the corner as well. And there's still tickets to shift for Wembley. So would CM then, and we talked about this before, would the announcement of CM Punk bring in some extra extra ticket sales? Uh, we were also debating in this show, actually, if you've done so well in ticket sales, do you need to bring in attra- extra attractions, whether that be Punk, Goldberg? Goldberg! <laughs> I mean, Goldberg versus oh. Ryback, that's the, that's the, the <laughs> match that nobody is screaming for. Oh um, God! I'd rather I'd rather shake my hands and clap. Yeah. <laughs> Copyright Gary Kernan, That's phrase, Mister Hockney. <laughs> I've actually I've actually got a picture of me and Goldberg on my desk. Oh yeah, yeah, because you and you and Ollie met at WrestleMania weekend, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Oh, um, here we go again, Mister Kernan. I went to WrestleMania. I should have seen Cody win. Uh, and I've got my Bret Hart picture in front of me. <laughs> um. Like, what was yeah, you you, tre- you treasure that Bret Hart picture though because I know how much of a fan you are. So yeah. um, I've got some signed sunglasses here as well, as well as some showing off. Uh, anyway, anyway, um, so we were de- debating. Bob, he lives at this address. <laughs> <laughs> so well, it'll be interesting to see what impact Punk has on ticket sales for All In. Are there people out there that haven't bought the tickets yet that Punk's addition to the card? will lead to some more sales. Um, I'm not sure, but, but time will tell. But he is, there's no doubt about it, he um, he generates discussion, debate in it. He's quite clever with some of the things he does, i.e. appearing backstage at, at Raw um, uh, and Impact as well he went to, didn't he? Uh, and he, he would know fine well these little pot shots would get oh. traction all over the place so punk you know you can accuse him of being lots of things and i have seen him being accused of lots of things this past week uh, including being uh, out of shape but um there's no doubt about it he is a he is a shrewd businessman mm. um also on the opening episode of collision the curse of the tnt title strikes again for those of you that follow our Saturday Draft Live, um, whenever someone picks the TNT champion, they no doubt lose it like a week later. Today must, last week must have been record time because in our transfer window, I picked Wardlow for my team and on Saturday, he lost to a fucking dinosaur. <laughs> he lost to Luchasaurus. Uh, you, can't, you can't make it up, can you? And yet Christian's the one who's parading with the title. Yeah, I do, I do like that. And I, I can see some sort of 
Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley versus Finn Balor situation where Christian gets pinned for the title. But, oh my God, absolutely fizzing when I seen that. Absolutely fizzing. Also, I was absolutely fizzing because I was actually enjoying the first episode of Collision. Uh, there was a great match with Andrade versus uh, Buddy Matthews. And the stream of TNT that I was watching was going quite well until it froze and then started playing Avengers, Age of Ultron. Uh-huh. I mean, it's I like okay. TNT uh, the next man, but I was trying to watch the wrestling. Um, uh, sorry. Yeah, you brought up... Uh, you brought up Andrade and Buddy Murphy, and I realised, you know, they were both doing the submission holds of their of their respective partners as well. Obviously, Buddy had that that lifting scorpion like lock, and then Andrade wins with the figure eight, capitalising on the um, the knee the knee angle. Which it's, I mean, it's good to know they're paying tribute to their their other halves, and it's it's almost like a little acknowledgement, you know. Okay, yeah, we ripped WWE to shreds, but you know, some of us have got partners in, in there as well. We're just giving them a shout out. Although what nonsense are you talking? What? What nonsense are you talking? They clearly just did their partners' finishers. That not nothing too special. But <laughs> just, just just a wee nod. Just to let you know, in this war, there's there's casualty no. but <laughs> Yeah what, um, I one's, think one's with the Queen. What with the Queen, one's with Mammy. Um, I think Chris Jericho will need to retire the Judas effect because no way can he do it as quickly and as deadly as Andrade. If you've not seen it, go watch the clip. He is like 100 miles an hour and still manages to hit it perfectly. It is absolutely sensational, winning with the figure eight. And of course, the big six-man tag, Bullet Club and Samoa Joe versus Punk and FTR. Your standard six-man tag got the crowd going, but it's it was a good first episode of Collision slash Saturday Slamdown. <laughs> Let's move on to Impact Wrestling, will we? And one of the Impact originals, Alex Shelley, has finally won the Impact World Championship. The whole story leading up to this was the fact that Alex Shelley trained Kushida. Alex Shelley trained Seth Rollins. Alex Shelley trained Gargano. He trained Jay White. You know, loads of people have gone on to become world champion. It's now time for him to become world champion. He has done it. He's defeated Steve Macklin. Steve Macklin's reign as world champion will not be a memorable one, despite despite being built for months to be the next world champion. It was a bit of a damp squib, and I'm sure next time me and Scott are on, we'll have a rant about Bully Ray and Scott Demore derailing Steve Macklin's title run, but I remember having to listen to you go on a monologue about that on this very <laughs> show, Ross, for about half an hour. No wonder the, the rage, uh, the, the rise and fall of Steve Macklin coming soon to Suplex Retreat. Uh, and much like much like his old gimmick in the Forgotten Sons, you know his title reign will soon be forgotten. It certainly will. Um, the interesting thing, though, about the current. A holder of the Impact World Championship, Alex Shelley. His Motor City Machine Guns partner, Chris Sabin, is the current X Division champion. And Impact's famous for the Option C, where they allow the X Division champion to cash in for a World Championship shot against the World Champion at any time of their choosing. 
So I think we might see a Motor City Machine Guns split sooner rather than later. But yeah, very happy for Alex Shelley. So just wanted to touch on that as I am one of the few people that <laughs> watches a uh, watches Impact along with Scott. Let's talk Money in the Bank. Let's talk the last two names qualified for the Money in the Bank. Uh, Trish Stratus, because I had to contractually do this because David Campbell was making me. Trish Stratus is <laughs> the latest uh, qualifier for the women's uh, Money in the Bank. And for the men's money in the bank, well, he didn't have to qualify at all because he's Logan Paul, Gary, and he can do what he wants. Yes. Um, now, these, these money in the bank ladder matches, when you start to look, let's talk about the men's first then. So before you added Logan Paul in, we had Nakamura, Ellie Knight, Santos Escobar, Pete Dunne, Ricochet and Damien Priest. Now, there's not a lot of main eventers in that listing. There's... So it was looking like LA Knight or Damien Priest would be the people you'd be betting your money on, I think, for that match. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I cannot, yeah. See, I cannot see Santos Escobar holding the, the briefcase. But now Paul's in the match, and that adds that adds a whole different wrinkle to it, doesn't it? And it made... Um, we've seen in our... Uh, our yeah, he's he's kind of like Sami Zayn trying to ingrain himself with the bloodline. We've got this guy, this character Matt Smith, trying to ingrain himself with our podcast and get into the into the team. But he was a, a member of our, uh, our our troop that was uh, advocating for sometimes saying Logan Paul is going to appear and Logan Paul is going to win Money in the Bank and it's set up perfectly, isn't it? He's got unfinished business with Seth. As well, if he becomes WWE champion, uh, which when he t- took on Roman for the championship, would put in a very credible performance. It's um, it's going to be a so- social media feast. So it's a it's a really interesting lineup. This match, I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think it's fabulous to see some some people get um, some spots in it. I'm not sure. I'm I love. The way Logan got into the match, but the sort of melee that followed was was pretty cool. Yeah, you can see LA Knight ripping him a new, a new one with that promo. It was almost like, and he had the basically had the waistcoat, he had the shades on. It, it almost reminded me of Attitude Era Rock a little bit, and I think some folk on Twitter were putting the, the same comparison in there. Like LA Knight's promo delivery was just really flawless. Everything from roasting. The competitors to uh, you know effectively you know claiming the megastar as the guy who makes YouTube videos for teenage girls and stuff, which sounds a little bit dodgy when you say it out loud. But but at the end of the day, you know, despite Logan Paul adding his entry, you know, LA Knight's the one who's saying, "Oh, the one person taking the briefcase is LA Knight." Yeah. <laughs> um, I what I was say that. Shall we talk about the women's match then? So we had yeah, let's uh, talk about the women's match. Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, Bailey, Io Sky, and Trish Stratus. Unlike the men's match, Gary, this match has massive star power. You know, you already had Bailey and Becky Lynch. Um, Io Sky is always going to do something amazing in a ladder match situation. The uh, and this this comes direct from David Campbell. 
the mega star, the mega bitch, my bitch, the goat, the greatest of all time, Trish Stratus being added, <laughs> just takes it to, and pardon the pun, a whole new stratosphere. And Zelina Vega is also there. And <laughs> <laughs> with Zoe Stark by her side, you have to now think Trish Stratus is a favourite for this woman's money in the bank. Absolutely, absolutely. And it would be um, quite a clever way to continue the Trish uh, run, the Trish, you know, it would add to everything Trish has been saying about herself if she was to win win this match. Um, I, when you look at the other competitors, we've got Bailey and Eos, Tension, I can see some shenanigans between the two of them. I can see um, Selena's obviously not got you know got as much chance of winning that match as I do. Uh, but Trish, Becky, and Zoe—that's where the money is here, isn't it? You can see the two versus one, the the apprentice helping the master win the win the the briefcase. Mm. There's a lot of potential for storyline in the in the women's match. Uh, you know, you could have Zoe trying to help Trish win the briefcase. You've got Becky, who's probably going to try and do everything in her power to stop Trish. But will it come at the cost of her becoming Miss Money in the Bank? It certainly seems like that because, you know, they could easily go straight into a SummerSlam match without the need of either of them having the briefcase. But what I'm more interested in, though, is the interaction between Bailey and EO Sky because... I'm pretty sure last week on SmackDown, uh, there was a backstage confrontation between them two and Shotzi, and Shotzi actually challenged Bailey for her Money in the Bank spot. So, can you imagine if you know Io Sky ends up costing Bailey her spot in the match? Shotzi replaces Bailey, and then when it looks like Io is about to win, Bailey could turn on Io and cost her the briefcase. So there's definitely a lot of potential for shenanigans and, you know, turns, etc. And it, it just throws everything up in the air a little bit. It makes you kind of guess, you know, who could potentially walk away from it. From from the men's side, though, it, it only seems to be really between two people that could win it. This The women's match has got a lot more uh, unpredictability about it. It certainly has got unpredictability about it and I, I do like the storyline you put forward there David, the only problem is after last year's Money in the Bank I never want to see Shotzi Blackheart near a ladder match again <laughs> I, I mean after the Survivor Series I don't want to see Shotzi uh, Blackheart near a ring again But, but <laughs> if, there was, if there was potential for a future Bailey EO Sky feud, would you put Shotzi in the Money in the Bank ladder match just to be another body, rather than you know, at least give her any hope in hell of winning? No, because unlike like an Elimination Chamber or a Royal Rumble, I think everyone needs to participate and do something in a ladder in a, a Money in the Bank ladder match like this. And Shotzi, nah, nah. like see, don't get me wrong. See, I, I do like the ex- the storyline, and it would be cool to see it. But it's just the fact that it's Shotzi Blackheart. I'm like, nah, you're all right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I do agree. There you go. I was going to say um, one thing I do want to take away from the women's money in the bank match. I just hope that whoever does win it holds it for at least until the week after. I don't want to see yeah. them cash in either on the night or the the day after. Yeah. Well, um, Charlotte versus Asuka is rumored 
Bianca Belair is still there for reasons. Um, and I, I still, by the way, fully, fully hate Bianca Belair now, by the way, even though she doesn't have the title now, the gimmick is still the same. What's your gimmick? I'm the bestest. How are you the best? Mm-hmm. I'm the bestest. Ist, ist, ist. <laughs> well, shut up. The gimmick of a five-year-old. Watch me dive. Watch me run. I can run really fast. I didn't realise she had a lot. I didn't realise she had a lisp. I think, much to my dismay, Bianca is going to win the title. But I would like Trish to cash in and take the title from her. Because um, yeah. you could have the rematch and you could have Trish versus Bianca proper, which, as much as I don't like the gimmick, I do like Bianca as a wrestler. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Charlotte and Asker there. Can can any of you guys tell me has Charlotte ever had a feud that does not involve the championship? No, I don't think so. No, like all that's all she's there for is just to basically be in the title picture and nothing else. Like even when she was gone for like I think it was twenty twenty, she was gone for a good while because I think she was dealing with injury or something. She came back was Asuka's mystery partner and they immediately won the women's tag titles. Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's not official for the Money in the Bank yet, but what is official after last night, and we'll touch on his match from last night, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor for the World Heavyweight Championship. I like how Finn Balor has, and it, it does make sense, he's not letting Seth do the open challenge because he's next in line. He feels disrespected that Seth went to NXT to defend the title, so he went there and beat Seth up. I like this side of Finn Balor. There's mm-hmm. been for too long this Namby Pamby, oh, I'm just going to smile, good guy that occasionally turns into the demon, and even still in the Judgment Day recently. Ever since, other than the feud with Edge, he started to feel like the other guy. You know, Damien Priest had the, the Bad Bunny feud and is kind of Dominic Mysterio's unofficial bodyguard when the team. Dominic Mysterio is a heat magnet. Rhea Ripley is the women's world champion. Um, and he's starting to feel like the other guy, so I'm liking this new edge to the character where he's coming out and he is now fully the leader of the Judgment Day. Mm. See, I never saw him as the leader of the Judgment Day. I always saw that as Rhea Ripley a little bit. You know, she's the one carrying the championship around. She's the one who's got who's got Dominic under her thumb, and you know, Priest is there. You know, as the the big heavy the big heavy hitter. But I think that's Rossi's point, Dave. Is like he uh, started off as the leader and a level above, and everybody else has risen above. Mm. And there's no doubt, like Ripley has, you know, this extra wrinkle to her character is shorter to the moon. Dominic, yeah. wow, and now Priest is coming of age as well, whereas Finn had sort of stayed where he was. But now recently, maybe there's some elements of what we've seen in his heel run in NXT starting to creep in here as well. Yeah, because every, every member of the Judgment Day had their own programmes, you know, post, like, well, leading up to WrestleMania, obviously you had the Ray Dom father-son angle, which, by the way, which was a very well-done feud. You had, obviously, Rhea was the, the women's Royal Rumble winner. She was going for the title. And then you had uh, Balor and Edge in Hell in a Cell. But Priest got his moment afterwards with the whole Bad Bunny 
feuds, etc. So everybody's had their chance to shine. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think Balor got the short end of the stick for a good chunk of the year. And this now seems to be the time where he's finally, you know, he's climbing back up again. Let's talk, by the way, obviously we've not done a central in two weeks. So this has sort of fallen through the cracks. But what do you guys think of the women's championship on SmackDown now being called the women's championship? And the Raw Women's title now being called the Women's World Heavyweight Championship. Are you a fan of this? Are you a fan that they didn't do the dreaded switcheroo? Um, I'm beginning to think that Triple H and Cole listened to this show, Ross, because last time we were in the <laughs> studio, I remember us having a conversation during which somebody, some wise person, I don't know who, <laughs> suggests that they might look at the names of it if they're going to stop this hop in the round of it. I'm a fan of it. I mean, the the Raw Women's... I, I actually quite liked the titles for men and women to be the Raw one and the SmackDown one. Um, but given the way that WWE have gone with it and the, the Women's Championship and the Tag Team's Champions moving all over the place and it not really meaning anything, I think this is probably a really good move. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the days of ruthless aggression era where you had on SmackDown you had the WWE champion and the WWE tag champions, and then on Raw you had world heavyweight champion and world tag team champions. This is what this is reminding me of now, except they've just done it with the men's and women's championships, and both titles are pretty much identical now, apart from the color of the strap, which is fair enough because that's how you distinguish between the two. But what I think that does, it actually has a sense of equality about it you know it's like yeah. you know the there was because there was only one women's championship during the ruthless aggression era yet there were two men's world titles one for each brand and i think what this basically does is this puts everybody on a, a level playing field you know they have the, the new shiny big gold belt for raw one with a black strap for the men and white strap for the women and then obviously the introduction of you know the new undisputed wwe universal title with a gold background you know, calling that, you know, the WWE Women's Championship, that actually looks quite nice with the white and gold background a little bit. Like, even with the, you know, Rare Ripley's new title, it's, yeah, I mean, I've got no qualms about it because I'm actually a fan of, uh, I'm more of a fan of the, the new big gold belt than I am of the, you know, the WWE title design. But, you know, I, think, I, I digress. I'm, I'm just yeah. glad, you know, everything seems more consistent now. I think this works, as this naming convention works as long as they're on the same show. The minute you have the men's World Heavyweight Champion on Raw and the women's World Heavyweight Champion on SmackDown with the converse happening the, the other way, it kind of loses a bit of its meaning or sense to me. But for where we are just now, it's pr I think it's probably a good decision. It would have been better if they hadn't put themselves into this stupid mess in the first instance, but hey-ho. Like they could have easily yeah. resolved it all if they just had Cody win at Mania. Well, I rest my case again. He didn't win. Move on. Just like we're he, moving on. You brought it up. <laughs> I was talking to both of these. Move on. Do you know what you do? You're, you're that kid at the back of the class. You, you, you light the fire. You stir the pot. You tell people, I think he's been talking about you. I think he said this about you. And then a fight happens and you're in the background going, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> That's what you are, your instigator. Anyway, we'll move on. We'll talk more about uh, Money in the Bank next week 
We'll preview that there. Let's review uh, NXT Gold Rush Week 1. Um, Gary, I said to you before we came on air, it must have been your dream night. Tyler Bate, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, all on yeah. the one show. My wet dream night. <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> um, Ali, one of the free agents, uh, allowed to go anywhere. He's chose to be in NXT. He's been teaming with... Um, Wesley and Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate is having a bit of a friendly rivalry with Wesley. Wesley having a great NXT North American Championship run. Mm-hmm. Some questionable decisions from Mustafa, Kevin Clancy, Ali. Indeed, uh, indeed. I'm not so sure about Ali's involvement as a guest referee because they've kind of only just been doing this angle for, what, a couple of weeks now? I thought it would have made more sense just to do another triple threat, but then again, they kind of already did that with Joe Gacy. But I was hoping to see like some sort of heel turn or something, or some sort of new angle going forward. You know, with Ali and uh, Ali and Wesley, you know, join forces uh, to maybe form a new heel faction, for example. Because, but not to take away from you know Wesley's been doing great as a solo competitor, even better dare I say when he's no longer part of MSK. But I think Tyler Bates has been done a little bit dirty here. You know, the big strong boy, you know, he's probably one of the best NXT UK champions, well, out of the four of them that have there been. He definitely earns his... uh, He's definitely going to earn his dues at some point. And I thought this could be a good opportunity to, uh, you know, have Tyler Bates win the North American title and maybe go a new angle with uh, Wesley and Ali. But, you know, it's maybe it's it's still a slow burner at this point. I think the end game is always Ali versus Wesley for the North American title at Great American Bash at the end of the month. That's on Sunday, July, uh, June 30th, sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think Ali putting himself in there, making himself a bit of a nuisance. You'll get uh, Ali versus Tyler Bate, which will be a great match. He'll win that. It will take him to Wesley. And who knows? He's a free agent. He could win the title and stay down there and allow Wesley to move up. But uh, that remains to be seen. Let's talk about Seth Rollins, Braun Breaker. Uh, someone who's not yet been called up in Braun Breaker. People have been worried about him. Um, recently lost his rematch at the NXT Battleground live event. But he's here. He's put in a great showing for the World Heavyweight Championship. What does the future hold for Braun Breaker, Gary? Where where do we see Braun going? Where would you like to see Braun going? And is there maybe a rivalry or a place you think is a good fit for him? Do you know that's a that's a really good question, and I really don't know the answer. <laughs> um, because I I would have staked the claim for I'd have put money on him being called up, uh, in the draft that didn't happen. Kind of made sense because there was, was it 18 people brought up in the draft and he was starting to develop this heel persona. He then gets this, um, he has the rematch uh, against Carmelo, loses that. He then gets this fabulous program with Seth, which has given him more exposure. I, I don't know where he goes next. Uh, now, there's no shame in anybody challenging for, for the World Heavyweight Championship. <coughs> Excuse me. And coming up short, but we've seen another story this week with um, uh, Tommaso Champer allegedly being one of the people who was going to 
challenge Seth in the Open Challenge on Monday, but that was next because Triple H didn't want him to lose in his return. I just wonder, like, if this is the biggest program that he's had, is that damaged him in any way? Stretch and agitation? Probably not. Probably not because he put in a good performance. But what follows next is he's got to perform. I'd love for him to change his name, um, but that's not going to happen. He's he's going to be Braun Breaker for the foreseeable, isn't he? So yeah, sorry. He's I just, definitely I just, not going to be Steiner after what happened recently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, definitely I not. Just, I just don't know. He's clearly somebody with with a ton of potential, and he's clearly rated highly. We're waiting for the right moment to push him. I would like to see uh, a sort of bully Ray type character or gimmick within him. This sort of, you know, he, he's now come up short twice in championship runs. I like to see him go out and bully people and pick on the little guys about the place and just be a complete dick and. And then have somebody stand up to him, and that could be his next feud. I ironically don't think, oh, no, David, I, I ironically oh, yeah. don't think um, losing to Seth or losing to Carmelo, I don't think those things damaged him. I think staying in NXT a year too long has killed the buzz around him because it, it was crystal clear, we all seen it last year. Dolph beats him at the pay-per-view. Dolph's going to go forward and make a few new stars and Braun Breaker's going to get called up. And then on the Raw after Mania, all of a sudden, Braun Breaker beats Ziggler. They went back on it and I really think they should have pulled the plug and pulled the trigger, sorry, and brought Braun up because I think he'd be a much bigger star now on the main roster than he would have in a... A year of NXT where people kind of checked out of his title reign at some points. Yeah, it became too much of a bland babyface, I think. But as you said, you know, it was a it was a one year title reign, con- like well, it was a solid four to five month title reign condensed into a full year, and he didn't need to be on NXT by that point because he was already massively over with the crowd, despite losing to to Dolph Ziggler. But it's uh. Gary, you mentioned, you know, I think Bronze New Direction, he could just be, you know, have a, a Bully Ray-esque character a little bit, you know, the whole meaner than evil gimmick a little bit. Why doesn't he just um, insert himself into the the feud with Wesley, Tyler Bay and Ali? Because not all three of those guys aren't that big in the grand scheme of things. And Bronze definitely got the size advantage over them. Why doesn't he, why doesn't he pursue... Wesley for the North American title at the Great American Bash, but this could also be an opportunity for for him to be called up. You know, it could be like if Braun says he, he obviously can't win the NXT title, so he's going after the next the next big thing, the North American title, and then he'll say he could say like, if I don't win the North American title, I'm leaving NXT, and that's his cue to go to the main roster. That's my fantasy booking of it. I, I see him going up to the main roster now, to be honest. I see maybe a cooling-off period, and then I think maybe SummerSlam or the row after SummerSlam, you're going to start seeing vignettes for a Braun Breaker debut. I think, he's, I, I think he is just off TV at the minute. Let's talk about, obviously, we touched on the Finn Balor match itself and Finn Balor, um, his position in the card. 
But what do you think of the post-match attack? Were you a fan of it? Do you like the fact that they've crossed over onto a different brand and still continue the pay-per-view storyline? Well, as you know from my earlier comment, I don't think people should be crossing over brands full stop. (laughs) However, however, uh, in the context of this NXT show, when you look at everything that happened of it, it creates, for me, a little bit of a sense of, oh, hang on a minute, we need to pay a little bit more attention to NXT because there's a lot of stuff happening over there. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, let's, before before we move on to our last story, which is a Forbidden Door preview, let's talk about Baron Corbin taking full advantage of the free agent rule and ironically being the most interesting version of Baron Corbin since he was last in NXT. <laughs> yeah. Baron Corbin taking on Carmelo Hayes. Could Baron Corbin maybe be a, a program, maybe a one, you know, a one-match program with Braun Breaker, maybe at the Great American Bash? Because I, I, I'm very interested in him with this Carmelo Hayes thing, but I don't see him winning the title. Mm. I mean, his latest booking hasn't been exactly lighting the world on fire. Uh, you know, he obviously had that short stint with JBL. As well, it didn't really materialise into anything. I think he's sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit. And But him pursuing Carmelo Hayes, I suppose, is kind of good because he never actually had a, had a... He never won the NXT title before he got called up the first time. So I think this could be sort of a good way of going back to his roots a little bit. But I just wish he'd bring back the lone wolf gimmick a little bit rather than, you know, just wearing the, uh, the shorts and tank top and just looking like a generic tall guy. You know, it's that I just feel like that magic that Corbin had, you know, when he was the, the homeless bum before he became happy Corbin, it's uh, the character just isn't there anymore. I think one of the things that Corbin suffers at is is like, how are we ever supposed to miss you if you never go away? He he's ever present, he's rarely injured, he's been overexposed on television at points in his career, you know, that uh, authority figure reign in particular. He's had a couple of gimmicks that haven't quite worked. For me, he's starting to feel like he's kind of in last chance saloon territory to make something work. I think him appearing in NXT added um, a surprise. I don't think anybody was expecting it. I think I'm going on to challenge uh, Carmelo's a good thing. I um, I wouldn't put him against Breaker just now because um, you know if you want Breaker to be this um, uh, be this uh, he, you know if you want Breaker to get booed, he's not going to get booed taking on taking on Corbin, is he? Um, we are seeing a lot of main roster folk starting to appear on NXT uh, with um, with we've already mentioned that Mustafa Ali um, I'm sure we'll get round to doing the Dana Brooks segment in a moment No I moved on specifically so we didn't have to do one Gary um, so, so there's, quite a, it's, there's quite a few of them just now which um, you know, you, you can argue it takes a bit of shine off of the, the surprise that was Corbin appearing. Um, I think Corbin being in NXT for a period of time to try and re-establish himself is probably, probably a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. Um, certainly don't see him winning, but ironically I could see him 
being in the North American title picture sooner rather than later. So we'll review obviously night two uh, or preview night two proper next week because we'll be recording on a Tuesday next week. But let's talk Forbidden Door this coming this coming Saturday, I believe. I don't know, just today. Forbidden Door. Oh God, that's not what I was googling. Um, <laughs> I'd shudder to, shudder to look at your Google search yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, for, I'm clicking on a hyperlink that says Forbidden Door XXX. I, I don't know. No, so, um, <laughs> it's Forbidden, forbidden Door AWXAWS X New Japan is what you need, I think. Coming your way. From Toronto, Ontario, Canada, June twenty fifth, which is this coming Saturday, I believe. The Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, I think the choice of Toronto and the Scotia Bank Arena, which I've been to, by the way, um, for a wrestling event, is a very good choice for them. That's a good market uh, to hit. It is a very good market to hit, but it's also it's came right in the middle of the build to Wembley. It's came just after. Um, just after Double or Nothing, we're right in the midst of this build for to promote the new show, Collision. At the time of recording, there's only four matches on the card. Now, there is... Um, it will be a three-day weekend for AEW, um, but there is a time of recording tonight, AEW Dynamite. There is then um, Rampage on Friday, Collision on Saturday... And then Forbidden Door on the Sunday. It is going to be, it is going to be a big weekend for AEW. But let's talk tomorrow. It's literally four weeks, isn't it, since the last pay per view? That was the twenty eighth of May. So, yeah. But the the thing that selling this one for them or the stories that's the is the imports coming in. So yeah, you'll get you'll get the die you'll get the diehard New Japan fans basically racking up the ticket sales here. So we have uh, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Sanada. He's going to take on Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And listen, I know we talk about the four pillars of AEW because AEW market the four pillars of AEW. But would you consider Sammy Guevara and Jungle Boy and Darby Allen pillars of AEW if it wasn't marketed that way? I don't think you would. Jungle Boy has been so stop start. The dinosaur won a championship before he did. Um, I really don't think this is the right. <laughs> I don't think this is the right title match. Um, we can listen to Scott and Scott and Grant on East meets West. I don't think they much enjoy Sanada as IWGP champion. So you certainly can't sell me on this. You can sell me, however on MJF taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Tanahashi is an absolute legend over in Japan. He's like their version of John Cena. He is the New Japan Pro Wrestling version of John Cena. His, I'm just looking at his, just so I get it right. He's been the IWGP Heavyweight Champion eight times. He's been Intercontinental Champion twice. US champion three times, tag champion three times. Uh, he's won the G1 Climax three times. 
No, their version. Not their version of the Royal Rumble, but their equivalent to the Royal Rumble for casual fans there. He is an absolute legend. My only issue here is um, there is clearly stories. You know, Kenny Omega, Will Osprey, which we'll touch on in a minute, has been going on since January in New Japan, even further back than that. And AEW aren't taking the time to do promo videos. AEW aren't taking the time to show you backstage interviews, promoting this stuff. What AEW are doing, are going, look at this great match. Go Google it. No. <laughs> if I sit down to watch a wrestling show, I shouldn't need a smartphone and a laptop to know who everyone is. You should explain that to me. But yeah, Tanahashi vs MGF, not much of a storyline heading in, but MGF being the dickhead that he is, complete lack of respect, going up against a legend of Japanese wrestling. You, you can already picture the match in your head. Let's talk what is a dream match. Okada versus Brian Danielson. This is going to be brilliant, David. This is going to be... Okada, as much as Kenny Omega is credited with it and the Bullet Club are credited with it, you know, every it takes two to tango, and Okada helped bring New Japan back into the main, back into the mainstream eye, back into the forefront with his title runs. Um, Grant obviously thinks it's far too many, as does Stephen Wilson, but he he has been absolutely sensational since 2015, and we're finally going to get to see him go up against Brian Danielson. Yeah, I'm just reading through Okada's accolades as well, like championships and accomplishments. He's two-time IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, five-time IWGP Heavyweight Champion, uh, one-time Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Champion. He's won the New Japan Cup twice, four-time winner of the G1 Climax as well. Uh, for, and this was all under New Japan. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's number one in the PWI 500 in 2017. Uh Twice matches of the year against Kenny Omega and also feud of the year against Kenny Omega. Uh, best Bout Awards. I'm just going to count. I think that's nine times Best Bout Awards from Tokyo Sports. I mean, that's that's it's sensational. And when you when you compare that to like Brian Danielson's accolades as well, you know, a guy who won the um, Wrestling Observer Newsletter uh, Pro Wrestler of the Year, Best wrestler of the year this is going to be a recipe for greatness that i don't think any of us will be prepared for outside of because you know kenny omega and will osprey are obviously going to deliver a banger but i think danielson and okada i think might just top it if i'm being honest and yeah oh, sorry go uh, i was just going to say um you know, having had a little look, the the event is practically sold out. The only tickets that are still available are the resales tickets, so about thirteen about thirteen thousand tickets shifted for the event. Um, according to WrestleTix. <laughs> and obviously we'll talk more about because um, we're we're starting to wrap up. We'll talk more about the IWGP US title match when we review it next week with Omega and Osprey. However, it looks like, uh, I believe it was announced, the Owen Hart Cup would begin. Uh, I'm wondering if they're going to announce some matches for that tonight and sort of stack the card with maybe first round matches. But 
uh, Will Hobbs has announced he wants to be in the Owen Hart Cup. Adam Cole won it last year, as did Brick Baker. Um, is there anyone, David, you think could benefit from winning the men's Owen Hart Cup? And same question about the women's. Who would you like to see come out as the winner? Well, somebody who experienced a down on Saturday Slam down this past week. Somebody, I think, who could make his case for the Owen Hart Men's Cup, Wardlow. You know, I think it's time for him to branch out a little bit away from the TNT title. Show he's more than just a, you know, a mid-card champion. Show he can actually win big tournaments, etc. For the women's side, a little bit trickier, but I reckon one of the outcasts is going to do it. Maybe Soraya. I don't know. I'm just... Um, I'm going on instinctive guess here. I'm not really trying to be logical about this one because obviously, you know, matches haven't been announced yet. But if I was predicting, I'd say men's Wardlow, women's Soraya. Gary, is there anyone you'd like to see get more of a, more of a push in AEW? Maybe someone... Even if it's someone who's still being pushed in AEW that you'd like to see win the Owen Hart Cup, obviously you're you're a massive Bret Hart fan and a massive Owen Hart fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's difficult to for me to book AEW just that I've not had any cocaine today, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe come back to me a bit later on. Somebody in AEW that I think has got a massive upside, or I think that they have uh, failed to to mm-hmm. push in the way that he should be, is Hook. I agree. I think the the win streak and the the quick matches were fun for a while, but it didn't it didn't lead anywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he is. He's currently he's going to be in the corner of Jungle Boy. It looks like Jungle Boy has branched away from the Jurassic Express to then make a new tag team called Jungle Hook, which play on words of Jungle Hook. <laughs> so yeah. Um, oh. Remind me and how he's thought, a fool. I thought the team of Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong's fishing rod was bad. <laughs> I mean, if that if that is a house with those four pillars, then Jungle Boy's side is incredibly, <laughs> incredibly slanted. But anyway, <laughs> I'll go see for the men's own heart tournament. I think, and again, you know, we're, we're talking about this as if it's going to happen if it's the first round's going to happen, they do have Friday and Saturday to do the preliminary rounds and maybe do the semis and finals at Forbidden Door. Someone who returned last week uh, on Collision, Miro, the Redeemer, God's favourite champion, someone who came in AEW as soon as he ditched that stupid best man gimmick and kicked Kip Saban to the curb. He was on an absolute tear he was built like a brick, you know what house. He was sensational. And then he just lost the title and disappeared for a while. So I would love for him to come back and just decimate the field and win the Owen Hart Cup. Uh, on the women's side, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put a bit of bit of fantasy booking out there. Jordan Grace has just finished up with Impact Wrestling. She's a free agent. It would be interesting to see her come in. However, it's someone who enjoys impact and has seen so many talents wasted. Ethan Page, for a start. Eric Young is still sitting in WWE catering. <laughs> I think they give Eric Young the wrong towns, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm in Saskatchewan. 
I'm in Saskatchewan, Canada. No, no, we're in Saskatchewan, Minnesota. You, you, we're across the border, Eric. Get here. <laughs> but, um, uh, we're, in, we're in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, oh, wait, I'm in Glasgow, Alabama. <laughs> um, but I, I would like to see someone come in from Impact and actually get their due. And I think Jordan Grace, she's got the look, she's got the in-ring ability. She's okay on promos. I've never, be, but maybe that was going up against the likes of Diana Perazzo and Mickey James, you know, who are absolutely sensational on the mic. I would love for her to come in and win the Owen Hart Cup. I also look forward to Tony Khan announcing this before we release <laughs> and making us all look like absolute dafties when Miro and Jordan Grace aren't in the tournament. <laughs> oh, I mean, we, we botched the. Uh... The Cora Jade, uh, Roxanne Perez booking for NXT Battleground, you know, ended up being Tiffany Stratton and Lyra Valkyria. It's good. This is the same thing's going to happen again. I can just tell. Can't wait for uh, Miro and Jordan Grace to go out in the first round. But anyway, that'll pretty much do it for this week on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Thank you very much for joining us for the return of Central. Sorry for the audio quality. We're not in the studio this week. That's partially my fault. I'll take 30% of the blame <laughs> we will be back in the studio hopefully next week uh, don't forget if you want to listen to our master back catalogue it's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Spotify, iTunes and Organive Android podcasting sites and at Suplex Retweet Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube you name it, we're on it thank you very much David and Gary for joining us thank you Ross Thank you. and we'll see you again soon guys thank you very much, bye bye Social Podcast Network.